I took the lead. Somebody's heart. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm here with my good buddy, Grace Guard Dog Steve. Hey, everybody. Well, Steve, the dog pound came through again. We asked him for some feedback. Yes. Good or bad. Don't hold back. Got some real honest comments. People took that literally and let go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They they hurt a little bit. Yeah, but we asked for it. That's what we want. That is what we want. How can we know what to apologize for if we don't get honest feedback? And none of them were really that bad. No. Um, I'd say, I'll just summarize them. I would say most of it was positive. But the negative part was a guy named Donald. Just an awesome guy. I know him from Cross Community Church. Real tall guy. Real wordsmith, too. Amazing photographer. And he takes a lot of pictures in nature and uh, put scriptures to him. He's really got a gift for doing that. Wow. And he's got a, a gift for words. Him and a few others, the main point was, I would say, right, right words in the wrong tone are still wrong, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does make sense. Saying the right thing in the wrong tone kind of does make it wrong. And yeah. we, we may have come across as a little... Authoritative. Authoritative, a yeah. Yeah, which is what we don't in your want face to do. a little bit. No, no. We don't. No. We don't. I Because these, these facts themselves are in your face so bad. We have yeah. to really gently bring out these facts. And I, I don't think we were gentle enough. No, I... Speaking for myself, I have no right to be in anyone's face. No. I am the king of unlearning. In yes, violence, yes, so. yes. And, and it's just painful just to realize that you've either been duped into believing something that's just not there in the Bible, or or, or for some reason you're, you're thinking it is when, when it, it's just not there. That hurts a bit. That, that hurts and we've got to be consoling. There's a, the thing is, there's a lot of that in the Bible. There's a lot of bad news before the good news. There's always bad news before the good news. Because if there's, if you give the good news without the bad news, it's not really, oh, you don't great. have anything to counter it. Um, like it says in Isaiah 45, um, I create the light and the darkness what else does it say make the good and I allow the the evil and it says I do all these things God does all these things darkness are ordained darkness is ordained by God but not for the sake of darkness for the sake of making the light so awesome so awesome and I got a friend James Carvin he's has a term called maximum awesomeness. I asked his permission to use that term. That's why you have futility, because the result of the goodness of God and the kindness of God, the grace of God, makes the things that you suffer, it, it makes the goodness of those awesome attributes of God, his grace, 
it makes them maximum awesomeness. So to be free from sin, which is what we want to talk about tonight, to have a free will towards doing good becomes maximum awesomeness when you compare it to what we talked about last night not having the free will to say I'm just going to do the good I'm just going to keep the commandments yeah that that hurts to come to the realization do you realize we wouldn't need a new covenant if the first one worked exactly if if we had the power to whoop sin we wouldn't need a second covenant but it would still be in place he gave us the second covenant where we can depend on the spirit to do for us what we can't do for ourselves and we have now we have that spirit he can make us shine and blossom and walk tall and be a pleasure to be around amen by his spirit we've been set free from futility which is one of the verses we'll look at in the review now is not the awesomeness of the new covenant maximized by seeing the futility of the old covenant exactly exactly what it was intended to be i love that verse i think it's in hebrews 8 god found fault with the first covenant what was the fault with the first covenant it was the whole last podcast yes our inability to keep it that was the fault with the first covenant found fault with the the people they couldn't carry out that covenant because they would like they said in jeremiah eighteen 12, we'll all follow the dictates of our own evil hearts it's hopeless they ended up saying it was hopeless it took it, them 40 years to get that revelation yes that it was hopeless and and to finally for Paul to unveil this mystery that had been hidden for so many years that you are enslaved by the sin and it makes you embarrass yourself over and over and that's what made Israel fall short of their end of the covenant and that's what makes all mankind fall short sin and fall short of the glory of God is this fact that the sin that's personified dominates us and enslaves us to do the sin's will. Exactly. And we're in the dark. Yes. That's what darkness means. You're Exactly. You don't understand what you're doing. You don't understand. In the, in the 20th century, we still have that dilemma we don't understand this new covenant and a large part of it is because we just without any thought say oh we have a free will and it veils the fact that the sin guy since genesis 4 has been dominating people's determination and when you get yourself under the law he springs to life, which we're going to look at. And you don't see any of that when, when you're saying, oh, I have a free will. Right. So let's look at speaking of freedom, speaking of slavery. They are opposites. I'm thinking of Romans six fourteen. It says, though you used to be slaves to, it's, I think it's the sin, literally, right? Mm-hmm. The sin. You used to be slaves to the sin. You obeyed from the heart in the ESV, I think, or NIV. This form of doctrine, and you became slaves to righteousness? Yes, slaves to righteousness. And he says, I thank God for that because God did that. That's exactly what Paul said. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who set me free to to do yeah, exactly. That's why in Romans six fifteen it, it, it's saying, "Thanks be to God that you obey this form of teaching." But there's a form of teaching that we need to look at. It's a 
form of doctrine. Yes. The Greek word is didasko, I think. Okay. And it's it's a form of teaching or doctrine. I know people hate that word, doctrine. He's, he's in the doctrine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're in the doctrine tonight. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let, let's just review what we did last week. Yes. We, we looked at some of these verses for, for one, we started off looking at some of the verses that just kind of blatantly, blatantly, blatantly say you don't have a free Verses like Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you to will and do his good pleasure. He works in you to be willing. He controls your will and controls your ability to do it. He protects you from the sin man. There was the, uh, the, the Romans 8, 21, 20, 21, which was the creation itself was subject to futility, not of its own will, but of the will of him who subjected it. God subjected us to futility, not of our own will, but it was his will. And it wasn't a very gentleman-like thing to do. He was certainly not being a gentleman. Same, same with when he hardened Pharaoh's heart. Do you remember the first time you ever, ever read that? before you knew somebody had indoctrinated you with their free will, didn't you say God was in control of his heart? Yeah, why pick on that guy? Exactly. But the verse you just read, he's subject the whole creation to futility. Yes. That excludes no one. And, and that's right after he says, I harden Pharaoh's heart and I'll have mercy on whom I want and I'll have compassion on whom I want and I'll harden who I want. It's all right there in Romans 8. Yeah, Paul uses the Pharaoh story. The Pharaoh story. Yes, yes. Then there was the 2 Timothy 2.24 where it says, we must not be quarrelsome in hopes that God would grant repentance and we come to a knowledge of the truth and back to our senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken us captive to do his will. We are taken captive by the devil to do the devil's will, blatantly not saying we have a free will. Not when you're taken captive. Not when you're taken captive. And all this is very important to come to the realization. And we will in, in Romans 7. End with just one more verse. We'll end the review with just one more verse because we do not want you guys to, to feel bad. That, that we, in other words, we're showing you these verses that blatantly say you don't have a free will, and each one is like a punch in the nose, and we know it. We know it. We can see the point. It is like a punch in the nose. When James 4.15 says, you say I'll go to this city or that city and carry on business and make lots of money for a year, James says, what is your life? It's just a mist, a vapor. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, I will do this or that. That is what we're supposed to say. Not, I have a free will. If the Lord wills, I will do this or that. And he says, anything else is arrogant boasting. And if you know the good to do and don't do it, you sin. Yes. You're doing evil. So it's saying to say, I don't have to worry about whether the Lord wills before I do this or that. I can do this or that because I've got freedom to choose. James 4.15 is telling you that that's actually a sin. Yes. It's actually a sin. And the reason 
James would go that far with it. And the reason it's that important is because it veils the idea, it veils that doctrine that we were entrusted with. Quote Romans 6.15 again. Though you used to be slaves to sin, you obeyed from the heart this form of teaching that was once and for all entrusted to you when you became slaves of righteousness. I'm not and, sure I got it exactly yeah, right. But well, it's, it, it starts off, thanks be to God that though the, you were slaves yes, to sin. The same thing Paul said, thanks be to God. That I was, a sla- I was a slave and he freed me. And I was set free, yes. yes. Thanks be to God. Yes. So, Romans 6.14 says... There's a form of teaching. Yes. And 6.14 says, You are not slaves to sin because you are not under the law, but under grace. You're not on the performance treadmill, but you're under grace. Because what happens when you get in the performance treadmill? It's Romans 7. You find out that you're a human being sold into bondage to sin and you're doing what you don't will to do and you're not doing what you do will to do and you don't even understand why you're doing it. I listened to a great message yesterday by the Dr. Randy Eaton. He made a, a really cool point that sin... The middle letter is I. It made me think of the Romans 7. I think I is in there like 20 sometimes. I don't understand what I do, the good I want to do. I don't do the evil I want to avoid. That is the very evil I do. So it is no longer me, but it is sin living in me. Just such a, a serious I problem. problem. I, 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 me, me, me. And why does he blame it on sin living in him? Because he says it wages war in the members of my body and takes me and makes me a prisoner. That's why he doesn't take the blame for the sin. He's saying the sin guy took me captive to do the sin guy's will. And that's where the the eye comes from, not out of it's not a correct, it's not I doing it, it is the sin. But when you're in darkness, when it, this is veiled to you, you think it's I. You, you, don't, you forget you were created in God's image. That was not the sin to be like God. The sin was to be like God, which you already were. Cause it says the man who was, perfect tense, created in our image, like us, has the knowledge of good and evil and that is what the sin is is wanting to be like God without depending on God without depending on God and when like you, God independent of God and when you're saying you have a free will you don't realize how bad you need to depend on God and how trapped you are by the sin god there's actually freedom independence <laughs> yeah you get you get free you get even free. though we call it the declaration of independence or mm-hmm. uh, independence day yes freedom day yes as a christian your freedom comes from not independence it comes from a dependence on the spirit yes and that's what we want to talk about today. The dependence on the Spirit and living the Christian life, living this new covenant life, the second covenant where he puts his Spirit in us and does for us what we can't do for ourselves. It's a this way of life that I teach everywhere in every church, this way of life in Christ Jesus, like Jesus said, abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me, a way of life in Christ Jesus, depending on the spirit of Jesus to work in us what we can't do for ourselves. It becomes a way of life. And it sets you free from 
this trap that you didn't realize you were in. That's the form of teaching that sets us free, depending on the spirit. Uh, another way to say it was Isaiah 40, one everyone knows. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, mount up with wings of eagles, run and not grow weary. He did it in a, exchange their strength. Exchange their strength. And, and we did it in another podcast. That word wait actually means to twine together. Yep. With the Lord's strength. Yep. yep. If you exchange your strength for him, if you let Jesus with Jesus's strength get in the ring with Mike Tyson, you're okay. If you don't exchange your strength for his strength, you in the ring with Mike Tyson means he wages war in your members, makes you a prisoner, and makes you do his will. You're going to get knocked out in round one. Round one. Instant knock. So let's look at the form of doctrine that sets us free. Yes. Well, the form of doctrine in a nutshell is summed up kind of in one verse. It's Romans 8-2. And it says, The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set me free from the law of sin and death. They're talking about two laws of dynamics. And he says, the law of dynamics of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus can set you free. That is the idea that Paul was so happy that they took as a form of teaching. He says, I thank God that Though you were slaves to sin, because they were slaves to sin, not free, you wholeheartedly held on to this teaching about the law of physics, the law of dynamics, setting you free from the law of dynamics of sin and death. It's the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is the good news that's what you want to learn and hold on to that so it, this form of teaching is has to do with two consistent principles just like you have the principle called the law of gravity you can't escape it and you have this other principle called the law of aerodynamics The law of aerodynamics overcomes the law of gravity. The law of the spirit of the life in Christ overcomes the law of the sin and the death every time. Every time. The law of the sin and death, the law of the sin and death, the law of the sin and human effort and trying as hard as you can never, ever, ever overcomes the sin. No, it's always it, it's never free. The will of it was always captured, prisoner, slave, on and on the, the, the adjectives go that paint the picture of what we were when sin mastered us. There's another adjective. Yeah. On, the, the best of the best John the Baptist is, is like saying some people can long jump 10 feet. One guy Long jump, 27 feet. But no one can, can long jump long enough to, to actually make it a difference to jump the Snake River, as Evil Knievel found out. Yes. It's not going to happen. Yes, meaning we don't measure up. We all fall short of the glory of God. And or, that's not the point to rub it in your face that you can't do it. No. The point is... To make you aware aware that there's a new dynamic that was unknown to you. Right. And it's called the law of the spirit of the life in Christ. That's where your freedom is. That's where your ability is. That's where your ability is. It sets you free from the law of sin and death. Trying hard and feeling horrible because you failed. Right, right. It's not so much as a matter of your will being free, but 
your ability being free from futility because in your own human strength it's futile that's why it says the creation itself was subject to futility not of its own will but of the will of him who subjected it in hopes that it would be set free from its bondage to corruption set free is is the buzzword that we are on right now we are talking about being set free that's what paul said in romans 7 who will set me free and what was paul doing between 714 and the time he said who will set me free can you read that sure for we know the law is spiritual 714 i'm starting it but i am of flesh sold into bondage to sin for what I am doing, I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do. And you made the point, it's actually not practicing. It's I'm not doing a single time what I will to do. And, and it's thalo, what thalo, I will to, to do. do. It is the will word. So he's saying that not a single time is he doing what his will desires to do but it's doing the but he is practicing that's our greek word prazo means to habitually practice he's habitually practicing the very thing he hates he hates himself for doing it he hates doing it but he is doing it that's how we've all felt that and it's important the the sin that they're talking about here. This is the sin called coveting, where he says, I wouldn't have known what coveting was. Coveting is the common denominator sin that everyone has. Coveting is also the one you can sit in church with a smile on your face, and you can be coveting and envious and hateful thoughts going through your mind, and no one knows it but you. You're you're miserable inside because you know you're doing it and you know you can't stop doing it. That's what he's saying I need to be set free from. So verse 16, if I do the very thing I do not wish to do, I agree with the law confessing that is good. So the law was not the problem. The law law is good, Mm -hmm. but the law is spiritual. Yes. Meaning it needs to be lived by, by the spirit, spirit not accomplished your flesh. by the That's spirit. That's why he says the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh. Yes. We have a com- compatibility problem. Compatibility. So then he says something we didn't know. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but the sin which indwells in me is doing it. That's where it personifies the sin. One time it's looked at as a law of dynamics. And one time it's illustrated as a personified entity that lives in you. Whichever way you want to picture it is okay, just as long as you're aware of it and aware of your human limitations against the personified sin or the law of sin. So, so far we've found that it is the law that has aroused the sin guy. Yes. And we found out earlier that apart from the law, the sin guy is dormant. dormant. So far, the law is an agency to not only show us what sin actually is, that's a good thing, not at the time, but it is a good thing, but it's also <laughs> the agency that's that it. stirs up the sin guy. The power of sin is the law, 1 Corinthians 15. So we really need to think twice about putting people under laws and rules and principles. Yes. Okay, verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Remember the rich nature that is in my human nature. Nothing good dwells in my human nature. That's what Jesus told the rich young ruler. What good things must I do to get eternal life? And he said, why do you call 
good teacher. Mm-hmm. He said, why do you call me good? Because no, no one, one is good except God. Right. In their human nature. Jesus pointed this guy in the same direction that Paul is. He, he sure did. He said, you got a coveting problem, buddy. Mm-hmm. I don't think he said buddy. But, yeah. but he had this inner problem going on inside of him, waging war against his body. Oh, it totally dominated him. He walked away sad. And he walked to him thinking full of self-righteousness. Yes, yes. Until he discovered that there was nothing good inside of him. Yes. Nothing good in him. Verse 19, for the good that I wish I do not knew, but I practice the very evil that I do wish. But I am... Don't wish. Then I do not wish. Thank you. Yes, yes. And it's thalos. It's the word will. What I will to do, I do not do. And I practice the very thing I do not will to do. So important. Let me read it that way. Okay. For the good that I will to do, I do not do a single time. But I prazo habitually practice the very evil I do not will to do. But if I am doing the very thing I do not will to do, I am no longer the one doing it, but the sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wishes wills wills to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law or principle in the members of my body waging war against the principle of my mind, the one willing to do good. Willing to do good. And making me a prisoner a prisoner of the principle of the sin which is in my members, members. and everyone born of Adam, Adam that principle is in side of them we're all in the same boat 24 wretched man that I am who will set me free Ruhamai is the Greek word there from this body of death who will deliver me from this body of death and he's teaching us all that that is what we need to say that's the form of teaching that Paul was so happy that we took on the the idea that we can't free ourselves and we need the spirit to set us free otherwise Our will is bondage to futility. Okay, we're here at the answer. This form of teaching that sets us free. Yes. So let me read it. Okay. Thanks be to my accountability partner. No. Who has... Doesn't say that. I think you've got to look at that again, Bill. Thanks be to my rock-solid determination that I made a choice to stop sinning. No, I thought it said promise keepers, but... um, Thanks be to the promise keeper meetings. Yes. No. None of that. I'm in danger of being a... (laughs) And it's not saying thanks be to my free will either. It is not saying anything about... So who does he thank? The Spirit. This is praise God. Yes. Thanks be to God. By means of Jesus Christ. That's what that Greek word Mm -hmm. dia means. Mm -hmm. Through Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God by means of Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind in serving the law of God in my mind. In my mind. But on the other hand, with my flesh, the law of sin. Yes. I'm wanting to do good in my mind, mm-hmm. but I'm but a slave to the sin the mis- in my actions. The mystery that was kept hidden for 2,000 years of Israel's history, and it's the mystery that seems to be hidden 
here in 2022 also. I want this, this mystery unveiled that we weren't free. And if we have to knock down the idea of free will to get that veil taken off your eyes, then that is what we gently have to do. And remember, we were in the same boat, you guys. We were in the same boat. We are no better than anybody else. We had this problem and looked towards accountability partners and we, we tried all those formulas. We were so goofy back then. It reminds me of in Hosea, which that name, Hosea, is another name of Yahshua. It's our savior, our deliverer. He says to Gomer, I'm going to put you in a the valley of acre, which means affliction, which means this whole thing that he suffered. But he says, as a door of hope. So you go through this, not to go through it, you go through it to appreciate thanks be to God. And that's why we're covering this bad news. We, it's no fun to sit up here and say you don't have a free will. You can't we're not do enjoying what, this. No. no, no, you're right, Bill. We're not enjoying this. Or say you can't do what you want. Yeah, I don't care how that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, we apologize, you guys. Sorry that we're having to bring this up, but you do see it is the scriptures that we're reading. But it, it, if it's not such a big problem, the solution doesn't seem that awesome so this is how god maximized this awesome news yes by getting you to go i don't understand what i do the very good i want to do i don't do i practice the very evil i wish to avoid yes and this is the biggest problem known to mankind it is is com- the common mm-hmm. and this problem is veiled when you say i have a free will it does. It does. But you, now... You can't get to the solution. You can't get to the solution. That's why it's such a trick of Satan to have everybody just spout off. Clearly, the Bible teaches you have a free will. They say it over and over and over again, and it's just veiling the idea of why the second covenant had to be inaugurated. Yeah. This was the fault with the first covenant. Yeah, it says the second covenant had to be inaugurated because he found fault with the people, and the fault he found with the people was the law, weakened as it was through the flesh, did nothing. And I'm quoting the the passage right after the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets me free from this law of death. It says, for what the law could not do, weakened we as it was us. through the flesh, it couldn't perfect people because nobody could beat this bondage that they were in. So he had to change the covenant and give us a spirit to depend on because only the spirit can beat this bondage and cause us to blossom. So what's another word for weakened as it was through the flesh? It's human effort. Yes. Our ability to keep it. The weakness of the old covenant was our inability to keep it. Yeah. And and that was what flesh meant there. Weakened as it was through the flesh. Weakened as it was through human determination and effort and capability. That's what made it weak. The fault that God found with the first covenant was the people or our inability to keep it to the whole Romans 7 14 through 21 is to, yeah. the fault that he had with that's the, the fault Romans 14 through 21 or 24 Romans 14 through 24 tells us what was wrong with the first covenant mentioned in the book of Hebrews and what is another important verse about this change of covenant is it says he takes away the first to establish the second what is key in that sentence taking away the first what happens if you don't see the first covenant taken away you're still trying to establish yourself in the covenant mm-hmm. that condemns you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
you, you've just rebuilt what you once destroyed. That's Galatians. You prove yourself to be a sinner if you rebuild the law mentality. You just let the law cause sin to spring to life. Romans seven eleven. That was Galatians two fifteen. Yes. If I are no seventeen. If I rebuild what I once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor uh, of, of the, the thing I rebuilt. Yeah, which is the law to establish my righteousness and in on Gal- human effort. In Galatians, he's saying, "If I rebuilt the Ten Commandment mentality, is what he's talking about." Under Just to prove be I can't keep it. Yeah, once I, again, right. And then the other part was the Galatians two twenty one, mm-hmm. where it says, I, "I do not frustrate the grace of God." Frustrating the grace of God is not seeing the taking away of the first to be established in the second. That's going back to the old old covenant of keeping the law, human effort, and trying to establish your Christian life. It says you will frustrate the grace of God. Right. When you say, God, I'll do it from here, sometimes he says, go ahead. Right. That's frustrating the grace of God who wants to do for you what you can't do for yourself. That's why in James it it says, don't you know that the spirit that God made to dwell in you jealously desires you? It jealously desires to have control of you. And it has to battle the flesh in the sin guy to get control of you. But the spirit of Jesus Christ in you jealously desires to have control of you. And that's exactly right. And and look at this. Okay, so when we go back to the law, we frustrate grace. When we go back to human performance and get on the human performance treadmill, we frustrate grace. When we try to, are you now trying to attain the goal through human effort? We frustrate grace. Now, look at 8.1. This is good news. Yes, it is. Thank you, Lord. Because we all do that. We go back to the old human performance we forget. Yeah. First thing he says, Mm -hmm. there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't have anything to prove. Yes, there's nothing to prove. You went back to the law and you thought you could do it and you failed. But no condemnation. You're right. Now you can get back into Christ Jesus, back into a dependency on Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 127, to do it for you. Verse 2, chapter 8, verse 2. This is our teaching that sets us free. Mm -hmm. For the law of the spirit of the life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the principal law of the sin and the death. Verse 3, for what the law, the Ten Commandment mentality, could not do, we as it was through the flesh. Why was it weak? Mm-hmm. Our through human ability to the, keep it. The edemic nature couldn't do it. The human nature couldn't do it. It's what weakened the law. The law was supposed to make you perfect, and it could So verse 3 again. For what the law could not do, weakened as it was through the flesh, God did sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. He condemns sin so he doesn't have to condemn us. But that's not the best part. In order that means for the purpose of Amen. That now what Adam did putting us under the sin like we can be like God by keeping the law, keeping the knowledge of good and evil, but in order to that, that whole system was destroyed. Destroyed. With the condemnation. condemnation. Yes. Yes. Now, the right, the requirement of the law might be fulfilled, and that doesn't mean maybe they will, maybe they won't. It means for the purpose of fulfilling the righteous requirements in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according 
to the Spirit's power. By means of the Spirit's power. Read that one more time straight through. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to let you explain it. Okay. I'm going to read three and four together, but I'm going to emphasize four. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us or fully met in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit's power. Okay. It means he got rid of the first covenant because it it was weakened by the flesh in order to establish the second covenant whereby he puts his spirit in us and causes us to obey all the statues, whereby that spirit fulfills all the righteous requirements of the law for us if we do not walk according to what it said in verse 4, the flesh, our human effort. If we don't walk according to our human effort, and if we realize that our human effort is not free like we've been told that sin dominates it and we do what we don't want to do, then we will walk according to the Spirit's power and not walk in our own strength that we think we have. So we see now that this form of teaching that sets us free is based on the finished work of Christ. And the first thing he did was he condemned sin in us and condemned us he went didn't to condemn the, us he went i'm sorry he went to the cross as us and we died yes and one of the things you have to understand it says that the law has authority over a person only as long as they are alive meaning if we died and we did then the law has no more authority of us we, we are not obligated to live by the covenant that was enacted to Israel. Exactly. The law. We're, you're free from that. It has no authority over you. Yes. And if you do go back to that mentality, you energize the sin guy who dominates your will and causes you to do what you don't want to do. So by being free from the law, you're also free from it activating the sin guy. Yes. From being free from the law, you don't have to get in the ring with Mike Tyson. That's why it says we are no longer slaves to sin because we are not under the law, but we are under grace. Living by grace, which is living by God's power, releases us from the law and the sin guy. Yes. Slavery says you have to do something. Freedom says, no, I don't. Right. And there's freedom by being dependent on the Spirit to do for us what? What we can't do for ourselves. Didn't he say he delights in God's law? He wants to keep it? We all do. We all do. That's what we want to do. Yes. We want to live the exemplary Christian life. If Mm -hmm. we could follow the law and live under it, we could live the exemplary Christian life, but we can't. But now he set us free to what's held us in bondage, the law and the sin, the principle of the sin and the death. We're free to serve God in a new and living way. In a new and living way, a way of life in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, abide in me. If you want to live the Christian life, you'll bear much fruit. We are free to bear fruit for God, which and is what it says in Romans 7, 5. It does free say, bear, yeah, you bear fruit for God. Yes. If we live by the Spirit's power. Do you know you're, you're doing now by the Spirit effortlessly everything the promise keepers ever wanted you to do? That's everything. Right your accountability tried to keep you accountability partner tried to keep you from doing yes you're avoiding everything your accountability partner was put in place effortlessly easy i I blossomed 
after I learned to rely on the spirit and you can too. I'm talking to the audience. You can blossom too. Just give the spirit a try. Don't fall for that idea that you have a free will and that you're supposed to live up to the standards of God. Understand that you can't and you have a Holy Spirit in you. That's why you were born again to have the Spirit of God placed in you and it can live a blossomed Christian life. But you got to do your part, Steve. So what is your part? What is my part? Well, Jesus said, apart from me, nothing. Abide in the vine. Just depend on the Spirit. That's our part. And wait on the Holy Spirit to show itself. And then give glory and credit to the Holy Spirit for what it does through you. That's the reward system of the new covenant. Got a built-in reward. Whatever you give Christ the credit for stores you up treasures in heaven. Whatever you take credit for, those treasures burn. So if you're going to put forth an effort, make every effort to enter that rest. Amen. 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 For he who is rested has ceased from his works. And remember, the first time it was used... God rested. He wasn't rested because he was exhausted. He was rested because it was good. Very good. Yes. This new covenant is good. good. Very, Very good. good. So you can rest in this new covenant. Yes. And with that in mind, do you want me to close us in prayer? Yes, that'd be great. Yes, Father God, thank you so much for unveiling the truth. The truth that I dare say the idea of free will veils. I'm sorry to say that. I'm sorry to be, what would the word be, Bill? Confrontation. Yes. A free will nudge. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry. But Lord, cause us to have a mind that understands what you were telling us on the pages of the Bible that we flipped to, because that's all we did here tonight was go from verse to verse to verse and the verses painted the picture and it's up to you Lord to root us and establish us in the truth and cause us to take on that form of teaching which we are now committed to that's what we're asking you to do God make your spirit in us cause us to hold heartedly, hold fast to that form of teaching that the apostles taught, a way of life in Christ Jesus, the new covenant whereby he puts his spirit in us to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. Good night, you guys. We love you. Good night, you guys.